if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thanks for being with us. We get rolling at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this free for all Friday that won't be quite free for all because we have some great guests coming up today. But uh, it is the 28th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord 2020. And let me try to peer outside the studio window for a second. Is it still pouring? It just started just hammering on us uh, a few minutes ago, at least where we are. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be scattered throughout the day. And I only bring up the weather today, and I normally don't start the show with anything having to do with weather, right? The only reason I bring it up is because today is the first day of high school football for those districts and schools that have seen fit to, I don't know, use reason and common sense to field their teams uh, this fall. And I feel so terrible for the children, the kids, the athletes, the parents, uh, in those districts and in those places where they are being robbed of their experience right now. Uh, this is not how you deal uh, with the current situation by hiding these kids and keeping them away from something that is so glorious and important to them. So high school football will be played tonight, weather permitting. Goodness gracious, that's why I brought it up. Can you imagine if the high school football kids and their parents, after everything we've dealt with, Oh, here it is. Heavy rain prompts uh, flood advisories for Lake Geauga, and now it went across my screen. It just came and went. But anyway, so they were flood advisories. I told you we were getting hammered with some rain. But can you imagine if we survived masks and survived uh, uh, survived a temper- daily temperature checks, survived social distancing, which is actually anti-social distancing, uh, survived uh, all of the lockdowns and the shutdowns, if we survived Mike DeWine, and came through all of it and are ready to play, only to have it wiped out by a lightning storm tonight. <laughs> It'd just be so 2020, would it not? So I wish all of the kids, the students, the players, the families, uh, the very best of luck in getting their games in tonight. This is what normality is supposed to be like. It won't be normal anyway, because the stands are only going to have parents alone in most places in them. Uh, so it won't be normal, but it's as close as we can get right now, and hopefully we will all take it. So it's glorious first football Friday night. Good luck to everybody. Of course, the big story today isn't Friday night. It was Thursday night when the President of the United States 
made his acceptance speech. Wow, what an acceptance speech for the nomination uh, to become president of the United States again. President Donald J. Trump went a hundred, or excuse me, 70 minutes, an hour and 10 minutes. I almost said 110 minutes. An hour and 10 minutes in his acceptance. And he left no stone unturned in explaining to everybody everything that he has accomplished in four years and everything that is set to be accomplished with four more. He also spent... Uh, an appropriate amount of time warning everybody of what is to come in a Biden world. We have spent the last four years reversing the damage Joe Biden inflicted over the last 47 years. Biden's record is a shameful roll call of the most catastrophic betrayals and blunders in our lifetime. (laughs) He has spent... A roll call of the most catastrophic betrayals and blunders in our lifetime. Here's a very, very important question that the president At the Democrat National Convention, Joe Biden and his party repeatedly assailed America as a land of racial, economic, and social injustice. So tonight I ask you a simple question. How can the Democrat Party ask to lead our country when it spends so much time tearing down our country? That is that is a fantastic summary. I mean, I honestly, when you listened to the Democrat National Convention last week, what did you hear more than anything else? You heard the defamation of the character of this great nation. You heard it from every liberal liberal democrat politician that took the stage. And you heard it from every celebrity they t- that took the stage. They trotted up half of Hollywood and half of the music industry. They skipped the under God part of the pre- Pledge of Allegiance twice. And they told the world that the United States is a cesspool of corruption and unfairness and injustice. They, they literally defamed the character of the United States. If the United States as a body had uh, standing in court to sue for defamation, uh, they would and they would win. They told the world that the United States is terrible systemically and has been for a long time. They didn't even blame it all on Trump. They said systemic racism for decades has pervaded this country, has defined this country. Systemic injustice. And as the president said, how on earth can a party that hates this nation so much honestly ask you to let them lead it? How can they lead the country when they spend so much time tearing down the country? You heard the difference in two weeks between pessimism and anger and hatred for the principles upon which this nation was founded versus optimism and hope and a support and a defense of the principles upon which this nation was founded. There really is no other way to say it, and there is no other way to see it. The Democrat Party does not like this country. They don't like how it's made, and so their pledge is to do what? To fundamentally transform it. 
Another word for transform is what? If you pull out your little thesaurus. It's change, right? The fundamental transformation of America means the elimination of America as it exists. And the reimagining of it. You hear that term used all the time when they talk about policing in America. Let's reimagine policing. Reimagine the prison system. What the hell are these people talking about? Where do you want to put rapists and who do you want to arrest them? Where do you want to put murderers and who do you want to arrest them? Where do you want to put uh, 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 sex traffickers and child traffickers, human traffickers, and where do you want to put them? Who do you want to stop the drug dealers? And where do you want to put them? You don't reimagine policing. Policing exists the way that it does because there are some really, really bad people in the world, particularly in a nation like ours that is the freest nation in the world. Freedoms like no other. And with freedom, human freedom, rights granted to us, rights to freedom granted to us by God, and that's what the United States gives people, the right to make their own choices and decisions. In a free nation like that, a lot of them are going to make bad decisions, and they're going to harm people because it's in their best interest. And so what have we done? Responsibly and reasonably, we have created something to try to stop people from harming other people. And at the end of the day, if they couldn't stop it, to try to arrest and prevent it from happening again. The victimization of Americans comes at the hands of very evil people, and evil people need to be stopped. How? By our law and order criminal justice system, by police officers and prisons. Now, I digressed a little bit from my point there about the reimagining of the poli- or the, of policing and the reimagining of prisons, but what the liberal Democrat Party, the Joe Biden campaign, the DNC platform, the Biden-Sanders unity platform, otherwise known as socialists inside of a Trojan horse. It's Biden-Sanders unity. And what it is, and you heard Bernie Sanders say it during the DNC, it's all of the ideas that he has come forward with as an avowed Democrat socialist. The radical ideas that they were once called now considered mainstream within the DNC. So they take the radical socialist uh, 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 platform of Bernie Sanders and the squids and they repackage it inside of Joe Biden, this old, old, very old. And I say this not to denigrate old people, but I'm talking about how much older he appears and acts than what he is. This forgetful, perhaps cognitively declining old man who doesn't know what's going on around him. They use him as the great big wooden horse. They package all of the socialist radical ideas inside of him, present it to the people as this is just good old moderate Joe. We all know Joe. Come on, man. We all know Joe. Joe's a good guy. Joe's a likable guy. Joe's got some witty axioms to rip off every now and again, even if he butchers the punchlines. It's just good old Joe. Joe will be wheeled inside the gates And then once he's inside, while everybody's asleep, then the radical socialist and communist platform principles and ideas will be let loose.
and it'll be too late to get them out again. So that's that's what the fundamental transformation of America means. You heard Barack Obama use that verbiage, and you heard Joe Biden use that verbiage as well. Fundamentally transforming something means to fundamentally change something. We don't fundamentally change things that we like. I will often use this uh, uh, analogy, and I'll do it again now. Do you love your wife? Do you love your husband? How do you think it would make them feel if you said to them, I love you, but I want to fundamentally transform you. I want to change you into something that you're not because I really don't like what you are. How, do you, how long do you think your marriage would last? How long do you think your relationship would last? How about your children? You know what, Junior? I'm really not liking the way you're turning out. I want to fundamentally transform who you are. I want to fundamentally change you into something different. How do you think that's going to go? Well, that is what the left and the Democrat Party has said. We want to fundamentally change America because we don't like what it is. We don't like its capitalist nature. We don't like its nuclear family, which is the Black Lives Matter organization, which seems to be calling the shots for the DNC on a daily basis. Say right on their website, on the front page, on the home page, Black Lives Matter, the destruction of the nuclear family. They don't like that. It's the building block and the foundation of this greatest civilization in the history of humankind. And they don't like it. They want it gone. This systemically and fundamentally racist nation must be changed, they say. What you heard for the last four days is a celebration of those things. In this country, the celebration of its capitalist nature that has enabled more people impoverished to achieve, to earn and to grow and to improve and to achieve than any nation on earth. It's a celebration of the nuclear family, a celebration of our freedom to pray to our God in a manner in which we see fit. A celebration of our right to speak as we see fit. A celebration to defend, uh, of the right to defend ourselves as we see fit. You heard a celebration over the last four days of everything that makes America great. A celebration rather than the deconstruction that you heard for four days from the DNC. You also heard a repudiation. Over the last four nights, you heard a repudiation of the notion that America is a racist country, that it has systemic injustice built into its DNA. You heard a repudiation of it, and you didn't hear Hollywood celebrities telling you what to think. You heard real Americans telling you what they experienced. You heard Alice Marie Johnson. You heard lobster uh, farmers, you heard loggers, you heard you heard plant workers, you heard farmers. You heard pastors, you heard real people in real American situations thanking God that we have an administration right now that does indeed celebrate the rule of law, celebrates the constitution, celebrates the bill of rights. The difference could not be more stark. 216-901-0945, We're not celebrating victory yet. We're not there. But we're 60-some days away. And it's time, my friends. It's time to put the pedal to the metal. And we'll be right back.
to Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. 926, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. I forgot to tell you about what's coming up today. Fired up about the RNC. I got to tell you this. And look, I know it's impossible to take me at my word, right? Because I'm a, a hardcore conservative. So I'm biased, admittedly. But I truly can, I believe, take my bias out of the equation and look at it from a completely neutral standpoint. And if I watch the DNC sterile coming to you from each of their individual little locations, speaking to empty rooms and preaching doom and gloom if Donald Trump gets four more years and all of that stuff, if, I, if, if I'm truly being honest and I'm truly being uh, neutral in this, you look at that convention and look at what we just saw over the course of the last four nights night and bleeping day seriously the rnc blew the dnc away again even if you take take out who you're voting for just the production the performances having a crowd socially distance etc et uh on the white house lawn last night for that i mean it was just a phenomenal four days it blew anything and everything the democrats had to offer away I want to share a little bit of the audio. Oh, I forgot to tell you once again about the uh, what's coming up. What's coming up in about uh, eight minutes is Peter Kersenow. It's Friday. Special treat for Friday-only listeners. I know you. everybody has jobs and everybody has different listening habits. If you are not normally able to hear Peter Kersenow because you don't listen on Tuesdays for whatever reason your schedule is, uh, treat for you. Peter Kersenow will be with us at 935. Uh, then coming up at 1035 today, Jim Simpson of Red Green Access Exposed will be here as well about their next online security briefing. So that's coming up on the program today. But I want to give you a little bit of audio. I thought uh, what happened last night with um, Alice Marie Johnson was phenomenal. Rand Paul uh, spoke on uh, night number one. He was attacked last night as he left. I've got audio of all of those things that I want you to hear. But I want you to hear Rudy Giuliani laying out the case. Don't let Democrats do to America. What they've done to New York City, for example. Good evening. My name is Rudy Giuliani, and I'm the former mayor of New York City. In 2013, my city elected a self-described progressive Democrat as mayor. New York City, once described as America's crime capital, had become, by the mid-1990s, America's safest large city. Now today, my city is in shock. Murders, shootings, and violent crime are increasing at percentages unheard of in the past. We're seeing the return of rioting and looting. During riots, this Democrat mayor, like others, has often prevented the police from making arrests. And even when arrests are made, liberal progressive DAs release the rioters so as not to disrupt the rioting. New Yorkers wonder, how did we get overwhelmed by crime so quickly and decline so fast? Don't let Democrats do to America what they have done to New York. Again, the Democrats are urging you to vote for an obviously defective candidate. Biden has changed his principles so often, he no longer has any principles. He's a Trojan horse with Bernie, AOC, Pelosi, Black Lives Matter, and his party's entire left wing 
just waiting to execute their pro-criminal, anti-police, socialist policies. Pro-criminal, anti-police, socialist policies. 100% accurate. As President Trump pointed out last night, 13 members of Biden's campaign team, 13 of them including his number two vice presidential candidate Kamala Harris, donated funds to help get bail and get out of jail violent rioters and looters and assaulters in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Not peaceful protesters carrying signs, violent because they weren't arrested. The only ones who were arrested were the violent ones. And they donated money to get them out of jail. They are pro-criminal, anti-police, and they are socialist. And Peter Kirsten now will discuss it with us coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. 936 now. Thanks for being with us on this free-for-all Friday, this football Friday. And again, I'm going to keep trumpeting all of those schools that are playing their fall schedule starting tonight. Good for you. God bless you. Your kids are going to thank you forever. Those who are unfortunately, and I'm talking out to the kids and the athletes and the parents who are not allowed to play because their districts have mandated it so, uh, it's terrible. It is unfair what is happening to you. And, uh, and, I, and I really, really wish there was something better to say about that. Uh, enjoy the games tonight. Enjoy a little bit of normalcy for a change, as much as you can in front of almost empty, sta- empty stands. All right, uh, let's look back now at Thursday night. We bring in our good friend Peter Kersenow. Peter Kersenow, of course, is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He's the longest-serving member of that organization or of that uh, board. He is also a Cleveland attorney. He is the host of the Kersenow Report on AM 1420, The Answer. He's a best-selling author, and he's a columnist for the National Review. Uh, Peter Krishna, good morning, my friend. Bob, how's it going? You know, I am uh, excited by the advent of the high school football season. Uh, I'm not really concerned about the NFL. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing a superstar wide receiver from Elyria Catholic. Maybe get to the <laughs> state championship this year? Uh, you know what, I, Pete, I, I don't even know how they're going to do that, to be honest with you. And I don't want to spend too much time on this. But uh, I was talking to the athletic director a couple of days ago who said they're probably not going to have conference championships because not everybody's going to play the same amount of games. we got some teams starting tonight. we got some teams starting in two weeks because they are not ready because they you know, prepared all summer for not having a season. So you know, if one team plays 10, another team plays seven games, I don't know how they're going to figure all this out, but I'm just well, glad that the kids are getting a chance to play. Yeah, they need to figure it out. I, I think this is an abomination. Look, I am, um, I'm not one of those who denies science. I think, look, the coronavirus is, is something that needs to be taken seriously, but you look at the data. I mean, they keep saying, look at the science. Well, the science shows that, uh, generally speaking, people under the age of 20 have absolutely nothing to fear from this. Well, not absolutely nothing. The concern is that if they get COVID, that they may transmit it to somebody who's elderly and more vulnerable. But those kids themselves, I fear, are going to suffer more as the result of the deprivation of the experiences that you and I had, which were immeasurably important to our development. Uh, I'll speak for myself. I mean, I, I think that I look back at my senior year especially, and if those events and those accomplishments um, were erased, I'm not sure I'd be the same person. I know that sounds dramatic, but uh, you know, those are the developmental years. 
You're a hundred percent right, Pete. And and I wasn't going to do a ton on on sports here with you, but you know what? We should. It, it is as newsworthy as anything else right now. Even President Trump was commenting on it yesterday, not during the uh, speech, but during a press conference. Um, the National Basketball Association, as you know, suspend, not suspended, uh, postponed their games two nights ago because they just couldn't play. They couldn't play because they were too upset about the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Then the Clippers and Lakers had team votes to see if they would just call for an end to the season. We're not even going to finish the playoffs because we have to make a statement about systemic police brutality against black people in this country. Now, last night, I see the Dodgers and the Giants in Major League Baseball said they weren't playing. They were going to postpone a game or two um, because the same thing. Uh, they're woke, and they want to make sure that systemic police brutality against black people is stopped. I have walked away from professional sports, Pete. Uh, in Cleveland, I'm sure you saw all three teams, Indians, Browns, and Cavaliers, have committed to working together uh, as three organizations uh, united as one, again, against systemic social and racial injustice. I have had it. I'm walking away from all three major sports. I will not watch one of them again until my son is in one of them, and that's about it. And that's very highly unlikely. So, Pete, um, is this... Are, are, what What is your take on what they are doing? I know I'm not the only one. Online tells me there are going to be millions of more people like me. Of course, others are cheering what they're doing. What's your reaction to sports deciding that they're not even going to make uh, you know play games uh, until they see whatever changes they think need to be made? Uh, simply from a business perspective, I think they're making a giant error. Now, as you know, I stopped my countdowns three months ago. I got sick of the virtue signaling. It would be a, diff- a slightly different story. A slightly different story, because I think there's a twofold issue here. It'd be a slightly different story if what they were doing was based on a truth, but it's based on an overarching, gigantic lie that there is systemic racism in this country. And for those of you who uh, want more on this, I've written a couple of pieces on NRO. You don't have to read my stuff. Go to Heather McDonald, and we lay out the details of this not only from the standpoint of the fraud that's been perpetrated with respect to the George Floyd incident and all and many similar incidents, but the overarching uh, allegation that somehow the United States is permeated with systemic racism. That's one thing, okay? Number two is these individuals have forgotten their business model. Sports is an escape. It is not where your nose is rubbed into the problems and worries of the day. And however important those things are, you know, you may make a nod to it here and there, and that's, I think, certainly appropriate on occasion. But when you start canceling games, when you start organizing your leagues around this lie, this fundamental proposition that the United States is systemically racist, but also you have escaped from your business model, then you've got significant problems. That's like if you went to a restaurant and they told you, here's the food over here, go prepare it yourself. No, that's not the deal. You go to a restaurant because you want the ambiance and you want somebody else to prepare it for you. Here, you want to go to a game to escape from the everyday problems and they're shoving it in your face and they're shoving a lie in your face. And no one, it's astonishing to me that no one in a marketing department is pulling them aside and saying, okay, you're alienating a significant portion of your fan base, number one. Number two, you You don't want to brand yourself as being anti-American because the fashion in which they're doing this, whether or not they realize it or not, 
to a lot of people appears to be anti-American, a rejection of American values. And I think subsumed within that is the realization by most people, even if they can't articulate the various incidents or the various statistics undergirding it, is that this is a... Um, uh, it, it's a lie being perpetrated against not just the United States, but the American people. When you start attacking values people hold dear, that's not a good business model. So I'm, I'm out. I, I have found over the last three months, even though I've been a sports fan for all my life, I've played all sports all the way up through college, and um, I found that I don't really need it. I have become more productive. I'm writing more novels. I'm reading more. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit of an escape. Do I want sports? Absolutely I want sports, but not at the price that they're asking me to pay. Yeah, and and Pete, I want to... I want to spend a little more time on this before we go into the convention and the president's speech last night and the the amazing speeches by people like... In fact, let's tie them together. The speech by Ann Dorn last night was was so incredibly important to me. I agree. Because I have been saying this for the last two months since uh, uh, Captain David Dorn was shot and killed in St. Louis uh, defending a store from rioters. Um, Say his name. Say his name. Hey, LeBron James, say his bleeping name. Um, the, the idea that the, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back for them is a felonious thug named Jacob Blake who had warrants out for trespassing, for domestic abuse, for sexual assault, and had previous charges for gun crimes, waving a gun and threatening people inside of a bar. The, this criminal is going to be the, you know, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back for them. David Dorn practiced law for 38 years. He is a black man. He was gunned down in cold blood because he was defending a store against rioters and and other criminals. Not one word about, say, David Dorn's name from LeBron James or the rest of his followers and acolytes in the NBA. Not a single word. His black life didn't matter, but Jacob Blake is going to be the what breaks us? Break, Jacob Blake is going to cause an end to the uh, to the NBA season? I, I mean, it, it's it's just crossed over the, the Rubicon, I think, uh, Peter, and, and there's some, for some of us, there's no going back. Yeah, I agree. You know, look, I um, was a conflicted LeBron James fan, um, as I think many people are. I think he's a phenomenal talent. You can't deny that, even if you disagree with his politics. It's a phenomenal talent. I like the fact that he finally brought a championship to the to uh, Cleveland. I was about to say to the United States, uh, to Cleveland. But LeBron is one of these woke athletes, pampered millions of dollars, nearly billions of dollars, and has no clue, absolutely no clue. But has got a gigantic Twitter following and believes his voice actually is larger than life. That somehow his voice with respect to political matters should hold as much sway as his talent when it comes to basketball matters. Um, I am, you know, many of us are done with these athletes who think that somehow that their opinion is more important than the opinions of others or that they know anything. What's, what's amazing is how many athletes have revealed quite nakedly how ignorant they are and they don't realize it because they're within their own little bubble and they've been pampered their entire lives look lebron james since the time he was 12 years old has been considered a superstar and he doesn't realize that there are contrary opinions and he doesn't realize you know what there are smarter people than him a lot of smarter people and people who understand things a little bit better um yeah 
I think, Bob, for me, I didn't see the entire convention, but last night the two most moving testimonials were from David Dorn's widow, Captain Dorn's widow, yep. and from Carl and Marsha Mueller, Kayla, oh. Kayla Mueller's parents. Yeah. Uh, you know, you are not human if you couldn't, if tears didn't come to your eyes. I, I would, you know, I'm, I tried to be macho and everything, but you know, look, that was that was extraordinarily moving. It was something with which I think a lot of people could identify, especially spouses of law enforcement individuals and also parents whose kids are just traveling abroad. You know, I, I remember when my daughter was in the Soviet Republic of Georgia on an archaeological dig, you know, we were concerned because there were Chechen rebels in the area, you know, and boom, uh, this, the, the worst thing that could possibly happen happened to the Mueller's. And what was striking to me was the type, it was a sober and modest account of what transpired, but it was one of the most I think, um, eviscerating uh, testimonials toward the Obama administration and their superficiality. It just rang out loudly that this administration, meaning the Obama administration, was about cosmetics versus the Trump administration was about results. Um, it's also interesting just as an aside, this is not necessarily pertinent to the direct subject matter of what we're discussing, but throughout the convention, you and I discussed this, I had predicted this was going to happen. The Trump administration made the most incredible outreach to black, Hispanic America, all America. But the number of testimonials from blacks, everyone from, you know, Herschel Walker to the Attorney General of Kentucky, I have my own testimony you've heard from me in terms of the meetings I've had with Trump and how I was affected by that. Uh, but the outreach he did was, number one, politically extremely smart, but also extremely American. Herschel Walker well said. said he knows what a racist is, and Donald Trump is not a racist. I, I emphasize that so many times over that these people are lying. They are lying through their teeth. Donald Trump has done more as a president and as a private citizen for black America than anybody on Capitol Hill, anybody in Washington. Um, Herschel's was one of my favorite speeches of the entire four days. Still my favorite from night number one. And as evidence of what you just said in, in the last uh, part there, Alice Marie Johnson would agree with that. All right, let's get a quick timeout, Pete. I want to come back and talk more uh, about the president's speech last night, about the overall theme of the convention and whether or not you think it's going to move the needle at all among undecided voters. Kirsten Al continues next, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 9.53, we continue now on AM 1420, The Answer with Peter Kirstenau. Looking back at the RNC, four days of optimism, four days of positivity, four days of defense of what America is. After four days last week of uh, prosecution for what America is. Peter Kirstenau is back with us. He knows a thing or two about prosecutions. He's an attorney. And hey, Pete, um, I introduced you at the beginning, as I always do, as a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Um, but I, uh, I perhaps neglected uh, part of that title because I have been informed that about a week ago, President Donald J. Trump, the, you know, the racist who uh, thinks white supremacists are fine people and so on and so forth, appointed a certain black man as vice chair of the Commission on Civil Rights. Do you know who that black man is? Uh, he's really good looking and extremely <laughs> articulate. <laughs> I've tell tell us about that, Pete. First of all, congratulations. It is a tremendous honor and obviously very, very well-deserved. Uh, well tell us about that. 
Thanks. Well, yeah, uh, the White House got in touch with me a couple weeks ago and uh, told me that this was the president's intent. Um, you know, there's the possibility that I may uh, move up even further from there, but I won't go into all of that. But it gives me a greater opportunity to do what I think is important, and that is try to rectify the the direction in which the the misplaced direction in which much of the civil rights discourse is directed. Uh, as I said, one of my frustrations. I've been on civil rights commission a long time, and normally, and I know because I, I I have a good contact with lots of your listeners that uh, people don't like long-term serving uh, officials, whether it's uh, elected officials or appointed officials or whatever it may be, because there's a certain lack of of motivation that sometimes uh, occurs after a particular period of time. There's this kind of um, encrusted ideology that develops. Um, But nonetheless, over the years that I've been on the commission, there have been a lot of things that I've seen that, you know, what I've said repeatedly is if you want to see what the left has in store for the United States of America five to ten years from now, come to a Civil Rights Commission hearing today. And I can't emphasize that enough. They try out their ideas, test drive them at the Civil Rights Commission. And I've been alerting people to this for for quite some time, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. I've worked with members of the Senate when I've seen things happening, and I I give them a heads up as to what they're likely to see in terms of legislation out of the Senate and the House. Uh, It's an important place to be. I've got a little bit more power now, and I'm going to try to be as vigilant as I have been before. I I love this country. Um, I think that it is the greatest country in the history of the world. I even hate to say what everyone says in terms of the predicate to that, that in that in terms of it being an imperfect country. Yes, there's only one perfect individual that ever walked the face of this earth. Of course it's going to be imperfect, but my goodness, what an astonishing country this is for all of its faults. And that's why uh, I'm very thankful that President Trump named me vice chair so I can help address some of those flaws. Uh, that, yeah, the imperfections. And you're right. Nobody else has been perfect. There has been one, and that is 100% correct, Pete. And every Christian will attest to that. Now, let's take what you just said and spend the last three minutes of this segment talking about, first, what you heard from four nights of the DNC before we talk next segment about the RNC. Because it's, I think, what President Trump and the entire RNC did over the last four days was to admit, yes, we have imperfections and look at what we are doing to address them. The Democrats said we have imperfections that make us unsalvageable. We have to fundamentally transform. Again, Barack Obama used that term for eight years. Joe Biden has now adopted it as well. Fundamentally changing the United States of America is not loving the greatest uh, nation in the history of human civilization. It is uh, essentially calling it uh, an evil institution that needs to be completely revamped. Go ahead. Political commentators, I think, take a look at, or uh, if not commentators, but politicos, look at the conventions and try to look at it from a 30,000-foot view. In other words, how does it move the needle based on the message that is generally conveyed. And when I looked at the Democratic Convention from a 30,000-foot venue, you're exactly right, Bob. The message conveyed was America bad, America maybe even evil. Um, With the Republican Convention, it was America great, America good. And I think that resonates more with most people. They don't like being told that we're awful. Most people in the United States of America 
struggle every day to improve not just the lives of them and their families, but the lives of others through service, through volunteer commitments. And they like the United States of America, and they love the United States of America. What was stunning to me, and I think the Republicans did a good job of seizing upon this, was I've, we've discussed this, Bob. I think outside of, maybe not even outside of, the equal to the most ridiculous and stupid and politically suicidal statement ever made during the course of a convention was Walter Mondale in 1984 saying he's going to raise taxes. And he did so trying to be honest. He's going to raise taxes. And of course, we know what happened to Walter Mondale. He lost every single state except his own, and only because Reagan was being charitable and never visited Minnesota just so Mondale wouldn't be humiliated. Defund the police is at least the equal of that in terms of its idiocy and insanity, especially in the current context. Even if we were completely at peace, there were no riots going on, I think it would be an insane statement to make. But when you see every single day riots occurring, people getting killed, thousands, literally thousands of businesses destroyed, most forever, this is extraordinary that they would say something like this. And to vilify cops... um, Look, I happen to know a lot of cops, as do you, and they're friends of mine, and I think extremely highly of them. Do I acknowledge that there are bad cops? There are bad everything. When a cop is bad, it's worse because they've got the ability to kill you, frankly, at the end of the day. But nonetheless, the vast majority of these people are phenomenal. They're heroes. I, uh, my wife and I were discussing some of the incidents that we had with cops where they, were, they, they helped us. And so for the Democrats to take on cops and then say absolutely nothing about the thugs that we see every single day out there riding, the mistake they're making, in terms of Democrats, there are many of them, but one of them is this belief that somehow those people riding are going to be voting, that those people riding are representative of the various constituencies that you see represented therein. Okay, I think politically representative, I think they're making a big mistake. Most people look at that and they're going like, I want safety. I want protection. The first obligation of government, the the reason I'm paying taxes is for safety. That's why that was such a huge theme, really, across all four nights from all of the speakers or so many of the speakers uh, during that RNC, because you're 100% right. Peter Kirsten now always is, well, almost always is, and he will join us uh, for one more segment after this on AM 1420 The Answer.